If you have your Bibles, grab them. Uh, Luke chapter 18 is where we're at this morning. Luke chapter 18. You know, we all have thoughts and beliefs and deep convictions and feel passionately about issues of justice. Um, I mean, you can think about uh, when, when these big trials that happen in, in our country and they're all over the news, we all kind of get together and talk about, uh, you know, who's guilty and who's not guilty and how much time they should serve or not serve. And, or sometimes they'll get sentenced and they'll think, oh, man, that's way too much time or, oh, that's not enough time, how they only get that. And we have these, we, we have these convictions and belief of justice that God has put in our heart to believe that what is right is right and right should reign and justice should reign. And, and even like, I remember one, like recently, um, so my family lived in a house for most of my life. And then uh, right before high school, the, they were building a highway and the highway was going to come right to the middle of it. And so we moved, the government bought our house and tore it down and they're going to build a highway. So we moved to where my family owned some land and my grandparents gave us some of the land from my parents and they built a house and it was great. Until a couple years later, the government decided they were changing their plans and now the highway was going to come through our driveway. And we had about a driveway was about a mile and a half long. And so uh, we I wasn't going to take our house, but it was like, now we're going to have to stand on the front porch and see this giant highway, you know, right there in the distance. So that was not fun. But even more so, my uncle had his farm and it was going to go right down the middle of his farm. And he had cows and, and he wasn't super excited about a highway being in the middle of his two of his field and split it in two with his cows. And he's like, that's not going to work. And, and they told him that they were going to buy the land from him where the highway was going to go, but they would leave him his field on either side. He said, well, that's not going to work for me. And if you read the law, the law says that it is the government's job to, when they take your property, to make you whole. And he's like, this ain't making me whole. And so he went uh, before like the, you know, the, the council meeting of the city and, and wanted to plead his case. And he said, hey, listen, you're building this interstate right down the middle of my field. And I've got cows and, and I, can't, I can't take the cows from this side to that side. You're, you're rendering my land useless. I need you to buy all of it, not just one part of it. And as he's at that council meeting, one of the guys there on the board, he said, oh, we understand that's a problem. What if we build you a bridge over the highway so that your cows can go from one field to the other field? And I, I wish I could have seen my uncle's face when he was just like, what? And I think the guy even said like a swinging bridge. And so my uncle thought that is, that is not just, that is not right. And so he pleaded with them and pleaded with them and eventually they bought the whole thing. But we feel deeply about issues. They're issues of right or wrong, issues of what is just, issues of getting what one is owed. God has a lot to say about justice. God has a lot to say about what is right and wrong and, and, and who should be cared for and how should be cared for and how justice should be served. This morning, we want to look and, and understand exactly what it is God says about justice and how we as Christians and followers of Jesus should as well. Let's read our parable this morning, Luke chapter 18. Starting in verse 1, the words of our God, written by Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, say this. And they told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, here the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? 
Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the word of the Lord. Our parable introduces to us a nameless woman. Woman where there is only really one identifying mark or word to understand her in this context, and that is that she is a widow. That her husband has passed away, and she has been left alone to fend for herself. Now, in ancient times, widows were amongst the most vulnerable people in society. Because in this time, a woman could not own property. She couldn't own her house. She couldn't even testify in court. Her word wasn't to be taken seriously. She was was not welcome in court. A woman depended on her husband for everything. And so when he was gone, there was often no one to speak for or care for them. Because of this, widows were often the target of much abuse. They were the target of much theft and mistreatment. They were helpless and defenseless. Widows were the victims of much injustice. And that is exactly what happened to this widow in our parable. We don't know exact, the exact nature of her injustice, but we know she comes before the judge and she is asking for justice against her adversary, someone who is taking advantage of her, exploiting her, advantage her, taking advantage of her in some way. There is some injustice happening. So before we go further, I think we got to dig into the Bible a little bit to understand what the Bible thinks about or when it talks about injustice. What is injustice? When you look in the Old Testament, God addresses this over and over and over again. God cares a lot about justice and injustice. The Hebrew word for justice gives us an insight into its meaning. The Hebrew word for justice is the word mishpat, mishpat. And it gives us insight in what justice actually is. Its most basic understanding of that word is that justice is, is uh, that someone is either punished or acquitted, innocent, based on the merits of the case of truth not based on their social status or their power or their influence or their nationality or anything else, but basically on the truth. But it also carries the meaning of giving people their rights, giving people what they are due. Deuteronomy 18, for example, directs that the priests who worked in the tabernacle, that they were to get paid by a percentage of the income of everyone who lived there. And the Bible calls it the priest's mishpat, the priest's do the priest justice, that they were to get what they were do, what was right. See, the justice in Hebrew, mishpat, then is giving people what they are due, whether that is punishment, restitution, protection, support, or care. This is why throughout the Old Testament, there are several groups of people that are mentioned again and again who God directs us to give special care and special attention to. special help to, because these groups have no power and are particularly vulnerable. Those groups are widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Again and again, the Bible gives these lists of these four categories. The Bible describes caring for these groups, these vulnerable, vulnerable groups, not as mere charity. It doesn't say be charitable to the poor but rather he describes it as doing justice. Because from the perspective of a Christian worldview, groups of people who are not shown basic human decency, 
who are not treated as people created in the image of God, who have value, dignity, and worth, people who are looked down on, who struggle to survive, to provide for themselves, or are treated differently because of their class or money or race or anything else, the Bible says is injustice. Because, think about it, God created a world that the Bible uses the word peace or shalom. He created a world that has universal flourishing, everything working together perfectly and in harmony. Like a well-oiled machine, everything was right and unified until sin entered the world, and now it is broken. It is at odds with itself. Now, instead of having unity, we divide, we fight, we separate into classes, we look down and forsake the vulnerable, and this is, the Bible says, injustice. This is why throughout the Bible, God calls his people to give special attention to justice. Jeremiah 22, 3 says, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, that's an immigrant, to the fatherless, that's an orphan, to the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. Isaiah 1, 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. How do you bring justice to the fatherless? How do you bring justice to an orphan? Do you take the orphan's parents and take them to trial and to court and and sue them and send them to jail? Well, maybe they're dead. Maybe the reason this kid's orphan is because his parents died. So how do you bring justice to the fatherless? You do it by adopting them. You do it by showing them special parental care. You do it by providing for them, making them no longer orphans. That's justice, according to the Bible. One of the ways God commanded his people to do justice was to farmers. When they, when they would harvest their crops on the edges of the field, they were not allowed to harvest the crop, whatever it was, so that people who were poor or vulnerable, widows, orphans, whoever could come into the field and harvest this crop for themselves and feed themselves if they couldn't find work anywhere else. God commanded farmers to do this. Even in the New Testament, we see Paul give special attention to caring for the poor. And James tells us to care for widows and orphans. And so like the widow in our parable, there is still much injustice in our world today. It's the reason we feel so passionately. And we we all, I think, care deeply about justice being served, being done. In many ways, I think that is why there is so much bitterness and fighting and disagreement and name-calling on social media and in the news and over political issues. It is because we see the issues as issues of justice, of doing what is right, And we disagree on what is right and what is wrong. We disagree on how it should happen and how it shouldn't happen, how we should care for people and how we shouldn't. But we divide over it because we're passionate because there are issues of justice in our mind, which is a good thing. Particularly as followers of Jesus, we should be the first to promote issues of justice. We should speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves like the widow in our story. We should speak up for those who do not receive the appropriate care or protection and justice they deserve as people created in the image of God. Today, we should be the people who promote justice as people who believe that God created all men in his image, that all men are created equal, that the blood of Jesus was poured out for all men. Because of these truths, we should be the first in line to promote justice for the unborn. 
We should be the first in line to speak for those babies who cannot speak up for themselves in their mother's wombs. We should be unwavering in our support that life begins at conception, that a clump of cells in a mother's womb on day one of conception is not called a fetus, but a baby that it is alive, creating the image of God and has value, dignity, and worth. That is an issue of justice. We should be the first to stand for immigrants who want to come to the greatest country in the history of the world to have a better life. We should be for the homeless who struggle to overcome addiction. We should speak up for them and lend a hand to get them on their feet. We should be for those who are trapped in literal slavery today and sex trafficking to speak out and to speak up and not to ignore or belittle, but to fight to abolish it as evil. We should be the first to speak up against racism wherever it speaks its ugly head. We should be the first to speak up against loan sharks who go and target the poor with high interest loans to take advantage of them when they have nowhere else to turn. And we should be the people that when children are dropped off on the, the, the front porch of a fire station, when they are, are taken from their homes because of abuse, we should be the first people who step up and say, if you have no home, you have one with us. Who will speak for them? Who will stand up for them? The list goes on and on of the issues, but like this widow who is going to this judge again and again looking for justice, She's looking for wrongs to be set right, and yet has no one to speak for her. No one to speak for her. No one to stand up for her. No one to care for, protect, or look after her in a society where her word is not valued, where she cannot own anything. She is powerless, vulnerable, and helpless and needs justice. So there's two aspects of justice that we've got to understand. One is this sense that there are those who commit crimes and are wrong, and those people should be judged, sentenced, and punished according to their crime. But two, there are those who have no power or means by which to achieve basic human decency, and they should not be taken advantage of, but rather should be stood up for and cared for, however we deem the best way to do that. So our widow faces both aspects of that justice. She faces injustice in both of these scenarios. On the one hand, she is a widow. On the other hand, there is someone trying to take advantage of her and wrong her. So because she has no husband and no male member of her family to speak up for her, she herself has to go to a judge who is not going to listen to her and plead her case, plead to be treated rightly and fairly and with justice. But when she brings her case to the judge, he refuses to listen. He does not care about what she is going through. He doesn't care about her suffering or the one taking advantage of her. He does not have time for her or her problems because they don't suit him. See, the legal system in this time was corrupt and broken. So often, if you wanted justice, you had to bribe the judge or pay off the judge, or you had to be somebody of power or influence. You had to to be somebody or know somebody of power or influence. So often, it was not the truth and justice they were after, but whatever served the judge in his interest. And while today, things look much, much better, that our justice system is infinitely better than it was then, it is still far from perfect. Nine years ago, my sister and her boyfriend were, many of you heard the story, were in Nebraska on on 4th of July weekend. And uh, my sister was watching her boyfriend and his little brother, they were about 18 years old and like eight years old. 
They were tubing when out of nowhere another boat came and collided with the tube, killing both boys. And as the hospital bills raked up and as these, these parents were grieving the loss of their two kids, killed in this brutal, senseless way, they found out that the, the guy driving the boat was drunk and that he was on his fourth DUI. And so the only sense of comfort they could get in the midst of this morning was to get justice for the one who did this senseless act of, uh, of killing their boys. And yet when they went to Nebraska to go to sit in the trial and, 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 and see all the evidence come out and see justice served, they found out that the evidence was handled improperly at the scene of the crime and that it was all dismissed. And so this guy now with his fifth DUI killing these two boys went off scot-free. And there was no justice. There was no vindication. There was no setting it right. Justice wasn't done. In this world, every day, guilty, the guilty go free and the innocent are wrongly punished. A few years ago, I was in New Orleans and I met some people who told me about how they, would, they had to go to advocate for prisoners in a corrupt, uh, New Orleans has one of the most corrupt, uh, broken legal systems. And there are black men who are on drug charges in New Orleans prisons who have been in prison for years and have never gone to court. And these lawyers go and they stand up for them and they, they plead to have their day in court, plead to, to, to you know, go and prove, prove that they're innocent or try to get the charge, whatever, they, but they've not been, they've not had their day in court, they've not been innocent and proven, until proven guilty. Our world is broken, and there is injustice all around us. So what is this widow in our story supposed to do? What are those who face injustice supposed to do? When the judge refuses to act or care about what this widow is facing, what is she supposed to do? But she goes back to him again and again. She goes. She, she, he won't listen, so the next day she comes back. He won't listen, so the next day she comes back. She comes back again and again and again. And I imagine she was probably a mom, and so she probably knew what it was like for her kids to come up to her and say, Mommy, can I have a cookie? No, honey, not right now. But uh, Mommy, can I have a cookie now? No, honey, not right now. Mommy, I've been good. Can I have a cookie now? No, honey, I told you no cookie right now. Mommy, can I please have a cookie? No, I said not right now. Stop it. Mommy, can I have a cookie now? Mommy, I'll stop asking if you can be, okay, fine, you can have the cookie. So she knew what it was like to be worn down, I imagine. So she goes to the judge again and again and again and wears him down. And eventually, he's just tired of seeing her. He's just tired of her coming. And so not because he cares about justice, not because he cares about what is right and what is wrong, he gives her justice because he's annoyed with her. How sad is it that truth and justice sometimes only prevail because we pay someone off, nag them, or annoy them enough to get what is right? Why does Jesus tell this parable? Why does Jesus tell this story? He is painting a contrasting picture with what God is actually like. God is not like this judge. That you do not have to nag God. You do not have to annoy God or bribe or pay him off for him to care about the wrongs done to you. You do not have to be a person of power or influence to get God to care about the things going on in your life, the injustices that you have experienced. That you do not have to get God to care about the mistreatment and the marginalized. 
He already cares for you and them and for those issues. Verse 7 says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? God is not like the unrighteous judge. He cares about the injustices in this world and in our lives. And for those who believe in him, those who cry out to him, will see justice. Sometimes we say these wrong phrases, I think, that we think are in the Bible and are not, like cleanliness is next to godliness, not in the Bible. Another one that I hear a lot is people say, you know, God helps those who help themselves. You know, so you gotta, you gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps because then God will help you. That's not in the Bible. Maybe it's like in First Fleshalonians, but it's not in my Bible. You see, God actually helps those who can't help themselves. Whether it's because uh, you've experienced some injustice in our legal system or because you have no ability to help yourself, God wants to help you. He cares for you. He hears your cries. Verse 7 continues, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Guys, understand that justice is at the heart of the gospel. Not only is is justice the means by which we are saved, it is also the purpose for which we are saved. What do I mean by that? 